We in the book. Philippians chapter 2. I don't know how far we got Wednesday night, but however, we didn't wear it out, I guarantee you that. Huh? Philippians 2. I didn't finish chapter 2, did I? Verse 9, look. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, that is Christ, and given him a name which is above every name. Uh, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. <coughs> Let's back up here a minute. Because of what Christ humbled himself to do, take up a body, come into this world, give up what he, what, what he had, and become the poorest of the poor, and he was, and to absorb, to take all of the insults and all of the persecutions, let alone the beatings and the death on the cross, and literally dying, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now, I've been quite a few places, especially in the ministry. Of course, I guess you could say that I had a sheltered uh, exposure to foreigners, but I don't remember encountering anybody that, that wasn't familiar with the name Jesus Christ. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever talked to anybody that never heard of Jesus Christ? Y'all ever talked to anybody that's never, they've never heard of Jesus Christ? Have you ever, in all your life, have you ever talked to somebody that had never heard of Jesus Christ? I can't recall ever. I don't know that I've asked everybody, but you know, talked to quite a few people in my lifetime. And I don't think I ever encountered anybody that hadn't heard the name Jesus Christ. That would pretty much validate that what we just read there. And then the next thing, uh, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now, I'll admit that up till now, that has not happened. Even though some people say that uh, Satan is already chained and bound in the bottomless pit. I mean, I, how could you be saying that? That's special ignorance, isn't it? Anyway, uh, this world has not bowed the knee to Christ. 
Matter of fact, only those that bow the knee to Jesus Christ that God's done a work of grace in them. However, that's not the end of it. And that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow when and what things in heaven. Don't have any problem seeing that one. Things in earth, well, there, there's a few problems there. Some, some things got to happen for that. And things under the earth. I've got a reference here to Revelation 5. Let's look at that real quick. Verse 11, I be, chapter 5, verse 11, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. I don't know what that many means, except a whole bunch. And the beast and the elders, now that's talking about the ones that we encountered back, back here in the earlier part of the chapter. The four uh, living creatures, the beast, and then the 24 elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, I know what he's saying there is a numberless multitude. That's the, the sum, summation of what he's saying with all that. But on this point, the number of them was 10,000. Now, I believe that, that 10,000 is literal. 10,000, the ten thousands. Times 10,000. There, you can't say that those thousand words are symbolic. They're literal because they indicate a lot, thousands. And thousands, literally thousands, of literal thousands. Every occurrence of thousand means a thousand. So how many thousands do you have here? I don't know that you can even tell. But they're all thousands. They don't become something else. As the preterists try to say Anyway, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and blessing. The lamb that was slain is Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's symbolic. Well, a lamb is not symbolic. But it's being used in a symbolical way to indicate Christ. He's the Lamb of God that was slain. And there's a lot of literalness in there. And every creature which is in heaven, I don't know about all them. I'll have to wait and tell you about that. And on the earth, 
every created being, and under the earth. And such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying. Now I do not know how he knew all that. I believe he did, but I don't know how he did it. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. And I believe that be the throne of David. Even though the Jews are non-existent, that's, that's the throne of David. I just kidding about that. The Jews are not non-existent. And unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. The four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Could be that John's talking about the same thing that Paul is talking about. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of king, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't for a minute believe that every tongue will voluntarily, willingly bow down to the Lord of glory. Do you? I know there's some that will. Be anxious to do it. Won't have to be motivated to do it. And then there's a whole passel of people that will do it reluctantly. And that's why it says he'll rule them with a rod of iron. Uh, Isaiah 45, verse 23, 22 and 23. <clears throat> Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God. And there is none else. Now, you know, that's the text that Charles Spurgeon, before he was saved, on a snowy night, he was walking to church, and he couldn't get to the church. And there was a little Methodist chapel. And he went into that Methodist chapel, and there was nobody in there except one Methodist deacon. And that deacon got up and read that scripture. And the Lord used that to save Charles Spurgeon. Proving that it's his word he blesses. Anyway, he says, I have, verse 1 and 3, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. And then what Paul quotes there? Well, how about let's look at Romans 14.
Romans 14, verse 7, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. That is God's people. He's not talking to the world. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at nothing thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Seems like the Bible's pretty plain on that throughout, isn't it? That's in the future. That would be unfulfilled, huh? Could that be at the great white throne, too? We just sure it could be the whole ball of wax. But it's unfulfilled prophecy. It is prophecy. And it is unfulfilled. It hasn't happened yet, but it will happen yet. And men will not bring that to pass. Only the God of glory will bring that to pass. All right, so every knee, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's what that will be ultimately. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only. And you know, kids sometimes get a bad rap. Sometimes they get the real rap. <laughs> If you ever been with a bunch of kids and while mama, mama and or daddy was there, they was just real good. And when mama and or daddy went to the other room, it all changed. Anybody ever had that experience? Anybody ever do that? What's that old saying? When the cat's away... The mice will play. But Paul says you all have always obeyed. Not as just in my presence only. But now I'm not going to be with you. Much more in my absence. I guess maybe adults kind of do that too, don't they? I guess even church members do that. I guess. That's what, is that what he's hinting at there? <clears throat> Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We do not work our own salvation. We cannot work out our own salvation if it has not already been worked in us. Amen. God Almighty does a work of grace in us. That's where salvation is. But if it's in you, your salvation is in you, then you work it out with fear and trembling. What's he talking about there? Well, when Apostle Paul's there, bodily presence, why you can Blow a lot of smoke. So look how good I am, Brother Paul. 
see how, see how faithful I am, see how good I am? Then as soon as the apostle Paul's gone, different story. He said, no, 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 no. You do this with fear and trembling. Look what he said back here. He said that, uh, uh, well, I find it. We're going to give account of ourselves. Oh, it was in Romans we got that. Stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand in judgment before the Lord. Not the same judgment that lost people stand. But the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah, Romans 14. Anyway, that's where that fear and trembling comes from. We're not afraid of God, but we have an awesome fear and respect of him and knowing that we will to account. We've got not just Brother Paul to worry about or me or anybody else. It's not human beings you're going to stand to give account before. It's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And you can't fool him. You can't pull the wool over his eyes like you can lots of people. So, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do you see the fear and trembling now? Because of, because of the judgment we're certainly going to stand before because now the reason you must work out your own salvation it is because God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure we got to do something to motivate people well we encourage one another. I don't know if we can motivate anybody or not. Have you ever really thought about that? Can you motivate somebody? To serve the Lord? You ever thought about that? I can't. I don't think I can do that. I hope I can be an encouragement. And we ought to try to be an encouragement. But ultimately, see, it's God that works in you the will, the will to serve the Lord. I can't give that to you. God does that. And not only the will, he gives you the power to do it, whatever it is. So, it's God which worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And that's what his will is, his good pleasure. Now, do all things without murmurings and disputings. <coughs> murmurings are complainings. No better example of that than the children of Israel. How they murmured. About constantly. You 
You know, if, if you're trying to make it, there are mothers, I know some right now, that have been at their wits end trying to provide a home for their children and having no help from a man. Matter of fact, the opposite of help. Not having the money to do this and do that and having to struggle to do everything and then have a bunch of ungrateful kids griping about it all the time. Now, I'm sure nobody's ever experienced that. Anybody here never experienced anything like that? Could you? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe you have. Maybe so. We ought not to be murmurers. Well, I don't have this and I don't have that. Why you make me do this? Why do I have to do that? Just shut up and do it, would you? Whatever is necessary is necessary. If you heat with wood, it's going to get cold. Rose knows it's going to get cold. You know that now, don't you? That it's going to get cold. So you don't want to be in a house that has to have wood to burn to make heat that has no wood. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to get cold and you got nothing to build a fire with. That could be life-threatening. So, ain't no sense in complaining because you got to go out and take a two-man saw or a cross-cut saw and cut up some logs and take your axe and split them. Why would you complain about doing that? Why do I have to do this? Why shouldn't you have to do this? Who else is going to do it? Just shut up and get it done. Y'all with me? On anything and everything, it has to be done. There's no sense in complaining about emptying garbage. What are you going to do? Sleep in it? I've seen it done just about that bad. I got to do it. I'm going to go do it. Get out of my way. I got to do this. Whatever it is. He said, do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's arguing about it. Why do you want to argue about it? There takes, there's certain things you have to do to live. Amen? And there's certain things we have to do to have a ministry for the Lord. Everybody's not a preacher. But that's not the sum total of serving the Lord. That's just part of it. So we've got stuff that we've got to do. We've got to accomplish. So quit griping about it. And let's do it. 
What can we do? Whatever, let's get it done because we may not be long, alive long enough to do much more. So do all things without murmuring and without disputing. No sense in arguing about it. And that is so that you may be blameless and harmless. That's keeping yourself clear before the Lord, isn't it? Being blameless and harmless. Blameless before God and harmless before other people. The sons of God without rebuke. Paul said in back in Ephesians about being as dear children. I know everybody loves children all the same. Not, but anyway, you can't tell me if you've got six youngins and out of all six you've got two that never talk back to you, never argue with you, and are anxious to do what you tell them to do. You can't tell me that you don't lean towards those two. Because I know you do. You have to. And that's why Paul said we ought to serve the Lord as dear children. <laughs> there they are. Without rebuke. There we go. How? By doing everything without murmuring and disputings. And that's in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now let me tell you what. I appreciate someone wanting to live a life of separation. A lot of the old preachers used to preach a lot on separation. And to, to a degree, we need to separate. But now Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5 that the only way that we'll ever be able to separate from all of the whoremongers and drunks and liars and thieves and all of that list there in 1 Corinthians 5, he said if you get separated from all of them, you got to go out of the world. <laughs> you got to leave the planet. You got to leave the planet. Until the Lord takes you, that's the only way to do it, isn't it? <coughs> Unless somebody else does it. <coughs> Our objective in life must not be to remove ourselves from everything ungodly. You can't do it. They're talking about Facebook. Stuff on there. And there he is. On the internet. There's stuff that you better stay away from. But are we not to have a witness? 
I want to have a witness there. I want to have, as long as we've got it, the ability to put a message up there to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God on there. I see what others put. Sometimes it's blessing to my heart. Stay away from all that garbage. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, I'll tell you, I would not go to a beer joint and try to preach. I'm sure that would be casting your pearl before the swine. They wouldn't know if you was ever there or not. If they're so drunk, they wouldn't know it. That's not the place we need to go. But I wouldn't mind on a street corner outside of a beer joint. I've preached outside of places before. I want people to know there's a, there's a witness here. There's somebody declaring the gospel. Somebody declaring the word of God. Don't you think people need to know that? Don't you think that's, say, well, they're not all going to be saved. I didn't say any of them is going to be saved. But I say this, that they'll know that a prophet's been among them and they've heard the word of God and if the Lord's going to use anything, that's what he'll use, is his word. That's all. All right, so, shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. There we go. Who's going to do this? That's why we've got the word of God entrusted to us. And we must hold it forth. We must shine in this sin-darkened world. So, so, well, I have a heart for people, okay? Get the word to them. Get the word of God to them. That's all you can do. Anyway, that I might rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain. Well, showing evidence in your life that you're saved. That's what. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, if I get, if I get killed for you, and he knew he could, and ultimately did, I joy and rejoice with you all. He's talking about his death. Sacrifice for them. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you. That I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. He's going to send Timothy to him Because he's in jail. To find out how they're doing. He's concerned about them. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, except Timothy. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Well, you mean there's a lot of selfishness then? There's a lot of selfishness right now. Well, I take care of myself and my family. I ain't worried about nobody else. Yeah, Paul had that problem then. 
But he said, you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Timothy served with me. He's proven himself. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. I don't know what's going to happen to me. My head might be rolling on the floor before long. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. If the Lord gets me out of this mess. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. My brother and companion in labor. And fellow soldier. But your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Epaphroditus has been with me. But I sent, to, sent him to you. And here he, he had a problem. Here was Epaphroditus' problem. He longed after y'all. That means epithumia, he desired, you know. And was full of heaviness. <clears throat> Why was he sorrowing, heavy? Because that you had heard that he had been sick. Now I can imagine my mother, she was like that. She didn't want, want us to know how bad all she was. Afraid we'd worry about her. And that's what Epaphroditus was worried about. I'm worried to death because they've heard that I'm sick. And indeed he was sick near unto death. He's about to die. <coughs> but God had mercy on him and not on him only but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. But him dying, Epaphroditus dying, not sorrow on sorrow. But notice that. He, was, he wasn't worried about being sick. He wasn't worried about being near death. What he was worried about was these brothers and sisters at Philippi had heard that he was sick. And now I know they're all worried death about me. And I don't want them suffering like that. Kind of a nice guy, wasn't he? I send him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Keep that up. Because for the work of Christ, he was near unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Now that kind of gets on the Philippians. Your lack of service to me. And Epaphroditus took their place. He filled in for them. That's all.